0: Last week, I posted my first Patreon only episode, my June reading wrap up. And this week, my first monthly Patreon Bookstagrammer interview will air. I am speaking with Barrett of Barrett Talks Books and Deb of DG Reads. You can check out the benefits I am offering through the link in the show notes, and I hope you will consider becoming a page turner. Today, I am interviewing Riley Sager about his latest book, Survive the Night. Riley Sager is the pseudonym of a former journalist, editor, and graphic designer. Now a full time writer, He is the author of Final Girls, an international bestseller, and the instant New York Times bestsellers, The Last Time I Lied, Lock Every Door, and Home Before Dark. A native of Pennsylvania, he now lives in Princeton, New Jersey. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hi, Riley. How are you today?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am very good. Well, first thing I always ask is for authors just to give a quick summary of their book for those that haven't read it. So you want to talk a little bit about Survive the Night?
2: Sure. Survive the Night is about a college student named Charlie and she is dropping out of school and leaving campus because her roommate and best friend was murdered by a serial killer known as the Campus Killer, and she's just grief-stricken and guilt-ridden and she just needs to leave right now. So She puts her name on the ride board at at her university, which was a thing that existed in 1991, which is when the book takes place, and meets a guy named Josh who's like, Hey, I'm going to Ohio too. Let's share the ride. And Charlie agrees. And they set off on the highway at night. And she starts to think that Josh might not quite be all that he says he is, and in fact, might be a killer himself. And it just goes really fast and furious from there.
0: So how did you come up with the idea for this one? I was so curious. I mean, all in one night, so much of it taking place in a car. Where did the ideas come from?
2: A lot of it stems from my my previous book, Home Before Dark, was so complex. It was dual timelines set 25 years apart. There was literally an entire book within the book and it was so difficult to get right and so exhausting. And by the time I was done with it, I just knew I needed to do something completely different. And so the idea of a book that takes place in real time, pretty much, was interesting to me. And I really liked the idea of it's two people in a car, suspicion everywhere, claustrophobia, and basically just taking place over the course of a single night and seeing where it goes. So it was a little challenge I set for myself to see if I could actually pull this off.
0: How did it compare writing one evening, mostly in one setting, compared to writing Home Before Dark? I mean, was it a lot simpler? Or in the end, did you feel like they both created a variety of challenges?
2: It was challenging, but in a a completely different way. Like, I didn't quite know what I was going to do when I said, hey, most of this book is just going to be two people in a car, because it just opens up all of these questions. Like, why are they staying in the car? Like, what's going to happen like how are you going to keep the tension and suspense up and so it was it was a fun little puzzle that i had to try to figure out
0: i would think it would have been pretty hard it would be hard for me to come up with something like that
2: but it's 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 enjoyable to i'm trying to think of a, like a good analogy it's fun to devise ways to keep people nervous <laughs> for sure and it's it, it is an enjoyable part of my job is to be like, okay, I want to make people really, really, really scared during this scene. And so how do I do that the best and most effective way?
0: And what about Charlie's movies in her head? Where did that idea come from?
2: Yeah, Charlie um has these things. She calls them the movies in her mind, when in truth, they're they're really hallucinations. Um she's she's had a rough go of things. Even before her roommate was murdered, um, her parents died in a car accident when she was a teenager, and she deals with her trauma and her grief by immersing herself in old movies. And it really kind of takes on a life of its own where if she's feeling too stressed, her brain will just twist what she's seen into this more cinematic fantasy, and that's how she's able to deal with it. And so it's a blessing and a curse because it helps her process her grief and trauma, but also it really messes with her sense of reality and her perception of what's actually happening. And I devised that to keep her in this car because I, I thought that the the easiest way to keep her in the car is for her to doubt herself, what she's experiencing. Yeah, to doubt herself. And then it became this fun mind game that you play with the reader. Like, okay, is this really happening or is Charlie imagining this?
0: and it was fun. I mean, because there were times where I was like, is this really happening? Is it not? And then I won't give any spoilers, but because of other things that happen, then you really wonder like, did that happen? Did it not? There's a lot of back and forth.
2: There, there's a lot of messing with reality in this book. And it was it was fun to do and also in some instances like I would take it too far. Like I wrote some movies in her mind that were just insane. And I'm like, okay, this is this is stretching it. This has got to go. Like I, I had one where other there's there was like one where it was like a movie in her mind within a movie in her mind within a movie in her <laughs> mind and it was like this is too much this is like inception no one is going to understand what is going on
0: Well you do have to really pay attention while you're reading I mean I had to really focus to make sure I didn't miss anything cuz sometimes I can be a pretty quick reader but I'll miss little details and it won't really matter in a story but in this one I had to slow down and pay very close attention
2: You know it's and that's where I I tried to you have to sort of play fair with the reader. You can't just bring something out of nowhere. So you have to plant little clues. But sometimes I do intentionally plant them in like the places where people might be reading super fast, like where they'll just sort of gloss over it. And-
0: yeah, no, you do. So that's why I was like, okay, I have to slow down. I mean, even the format of the book sort of harkens back to those old black and white film noir things I mean, with the way you set up each chapter and everything do you want to talk a little bit about that and the way you introduce the book
2: yeah um Charlie is you know a super big movie buff she's a she's a film theory major and there are so many film references in the book and so each chapter is set up like in screenplay format with like interior car, night and that was. I almost titled the book that like Interior Car Night but then this great author Charles Yu did Interior Chinatown which is a, also has like sort of like the screenplay format to it and so but it's it's really just sort of kind of setting up like the moviness of the book and and Charlie's way of thinking and the opening scene we begin sort of kind of at the end which is where a lot of the great film noirs begin like um Sunset Boulevard with William Holden dead in the swimming pool And then we sort of like go back and see how it all processed.
0: Did you start with that format from the beginning?
2: I did, yeah. I I like to play around with I'm I'm not really a fan of like chapter one, chapter two. Like I just I like playing around with that kind of thing. And I just knew that doing the screenplay format chapter heading would be would be fun and also a little bit deceptive because sometimes it's a movie in Charlie's mind. And so you don't know if we are really are like interior car night.
0: Right. And sometimes she kind of gets outside the car and you're wondering, is that in her head or is it not in her head exactly?
2: Right. Yeah. So it's it's just all another part of the mind game that I was trying to play.
0: So we talked a little bit about this, but was it hard to plot it out? I mean, did you have to go back after you had an initial draft and really mess with portions of it, alter them, edit them? Or was it pretty straightforward to just write it through?
2: It's it's pretty straightforward. Um, I I used to be a huge outliner. And I am not anymore because a lot of times I'd experience when I'm outlining something, a book. It's it's all outlined, and I continue to follow that outline even though it's not working. And then I and I even when I know it's not working, it's like oh, but the outline says that I have to go here.
0: Yes, I must obey my outline. (laughs) Right,
2: and then it it took it was it was honestly lock every door that I was writing. Where I'm like halfway through, I'm like this outline is leading me astray. This thing that I came up with is not working. I need to abandon it and go back and redo it. And so since then, I know what the end game is going to be. Like I always know like who did things and why and when it's going to happen. But I don't know the journey, how we're going to get there. And so now I like to sort of experience it organically as I'm writing. So I, I didn't know the end, but I didn't quite know the route that we were going to take.
0: That's so interesting. So have you found it easier now that you've abandoned a more strict outline and kind of half plotter, half pantser, but writing as you go. Have you enjoyed that more for these last two books?
2: Yeah, it's a lot easier for me now because I am not beholden to this thing that I shouldn't be beholden to, and so now it is just I'm going to try to enjoy things a little more. Like there's that that saying, like it's it's not the destination, it's the journey. I, I'm I'm trying to keep that in my head more as I I write.
0: That's interesting. I'm not sure I've heard many authors who've done such a dramatic shift in their process and had it work for them. It's great that you recognized it. That you're like, I have this outline, but it's making me go in a direction that I think I shouldn't. So now I, I need to abandon it. and I'll just have a new format. And clearly, it worked very well.
2: Yeah, i, I and and talking with other authors and talking to the people who are pantsers, you know, they are say like, oh, but you you lose the spontaneity if you have an outline. And I was always, I'd always disagree. I'm like, no, you don't. But I started to realize, yeah, you kind of do. And so I still need to know where that destination is, though. So I can't just be like, I don't know where we're going at all. Like, I need to know where I'm going. But then the rest, I think, will try to come naturally and be more spontaneous.
0: I like that. And I think with a thriller, that makes perfect sense. Because if you just sat down to write with no idea where you were going, that would be really tricky, I would think. So you have your ending. You know, this is where I want to get to but you're a lot more flexible in the middle.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine. Some writers are like, I'm just going to sit down and see what happens. Like, I can't imagine doing that. That's insane to me.
0: You're like, I'd just sit there and nothing would happen. I'd be like, I have no idea where I'm going, so I can't write anything. Right. Well, tell me about the cover. So you had a very specific cover design for your first four books, and this Survive the Night goes in a different direction. And I actually Love the original covers. I mean, the, the first four books. And I love this one. But tell me how you had this shift.
2: We just knew that this was going to be a slightly different book. It's, it's told differently from my other books in that it's not first-person narration. And my other books, I think all of them have some sort of dual timeline or flashback structure. And this is just pretty much straightforward, real-time. So We knew that we wanted the cover to convey that this is not quite the typical Riley Sager book and that it's a little bit different and a little bit of a departure. And when they showed me that the cover concept, I was in love instantly. Like I was like, yes, this is perfect. I love it. And I and it's so happy to see people who do love the original covers of mine also love this one, even though it is wildly different. But we did get like some little slashes in the eyes. On the, in the, the title to um, as an homage to Final Girls.
0: I just love the cover. I think it's fabulous. And I'm sure it's kind of nice after a while to go in a little bit of a different direction. I mean, like I said, I love your other covers too. I, I love covers generally. And so it's really fun to sort of see how they evolve with a writer who you know continues to write and see what changes, what stays the same. So do you think you'll go back to the other scheme for your next book? Or do you think you'll just go in a different direction again? Or do you have any idea at this point?
2: Is this your way of trying to get information about the next book?
0: That I'm going to ask next, actually. (laughs) But like I said, I just love to chat about covers. I always talk about them. And I'm curious because you had a pretty definite thing going. And so, you know, with this one taking a different direction, it's just more pure curiosity.
2: I really did have like, I think it's rare for an author to have like this set style of cover. And I, I really did have that where the bold colors and the bold font and it just, it, and it was it it was great, and I loved standing out on the bookshelf like that. But this really was signaling of not a not a new Riley Sager, but just a, a slightly different, evolving Riley Sager. And so we will probably in the future keep what we have now, or maybe even do something different. Like it's I I love I love covers too. Like I love a good book cover, and. It it is interesting to see like what works and what doesn't and we really didn't want to get into the thing where like I think if you have five covers that are like the same style then people will come to expect that every single book from now until forever Exactly. And so this was really like you know when you see this cover like okay this is this is a this is a whole different Riley Sager thing and I hope that everyone goes along for the ride. No pun intended.
0: <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a good one. Okay, so talking about your next book, are you saying anything about what your next book will be like yet?
2: I cannot. Oh, okay. I know. I, I get asked that so much, and it's finished. It's with my editor, and now we get to, you know, spend the rest of the summer making it better. And that is all I can say because it's just, I'm super psyched about it. Like I love it, and I'm so excited for people to read it. Like a year from now, (laughs) but like it's it's all hush hush. It's so secretive.
0: Well, let's talk about some of your older books. Do you have a favorite of your books?
2: It's it's really hard. Like you know, they're, they're like kids, where they each have their own distinct personality and issues and things. I always say Final Girls because it's the book that changed my life. Like it's my existence is literally light years different from what it was when. I wrote that book. And so I I have final girls to thank for that.
0: What about one of them that just kind of stays with you as a time period you really enjoyed writing it, or there was a particular character that stood out for you, or somebody you at some point might want to revisit? Do you have any of that?
2: Lock Every Door. Um, That was really, it it was great because I had this idea in my head, and I went ahead and I executed it. And I mean, I know that sounds like so simplistic where like, yeah, you wrote a book, you're obviously doing that. But books change and evolve and sometimes end up not quite what you intended it to be. And so like with with lock every door, it really was like, I'm going to set out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to nail it. And I'm so proud of myself for doing that with like very minimal fuss and self-doubt and writer's block and all this stuff that comes along with like being a creative mind and it just I it was a very nice accomplishment for me but like yeah I set out to do exactly what I intended to do and it's great
0: well the one that always stays with me is the last time I lied and I'd love to hear a little bit more about where you came up with the idea for that one I love the camp setting I think that the story really resonates with whoever I recommend it to so I was just curious how it came about
2: um, That one, it was hard to come up with a follow-up after Final Girls, where it's like, what do I do next? And I was watching a, the movie Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is based on a book from the 60s of the same name. And it is about, it was, I think it was 1900 in Australia. These schoolgirls go for an outing at Hanging Rock, and three of them vanish. And I just thought that that would be a really neat idea to update and set at an all-girls summer camp and then see how it affected the sole person in that cabin who didn't disappear and is haunted by these girls that no one knows what happened to them. And it just was a lot of fun to have a, a summer camp setting and all the, the stuff that goes with it, like the campfire tales and the cabins and, and just mean girls and good girls and it it was just it was a lot of fun but at the same time it was also this massive challenge to write a follow-up to something that was turning into a phenomenon like i i was halfway done with the last time i lied when stephen king tweeted about final girls and then the book was all of a sudden in entertainment weekly and like then there was like this big build It was a lot of pressure. All of a sudden, that was completely unexpected. And so that really messed with my head when I was writing the second half of the book.
0: That's interesting. And I hadn't really thought about that because I do remember when Final Girls came out. I used to work at Murder by the Book here in Houston. And I remembered that, you know, all of a sudden it was everywhere and everyone was wanting to read it. And I hadn't thought about you probably being in the middle of trying to write your sophomore book. That's interesting. Turned out well. Absolutely love that book. So you you survived it and did quite well.
2: Thank you. And shout out to Murder by the Book. I just signed six hundred copies for them.
0: <laughs> oh, you did! Oh, yay! I saw that they were going to have them. I'm no longer there uh, with the pandemic and everything, but it's such a great mm-hmm. bookstore. Why don't you tell me what you've read recently that you really like?
2: Um, I just finished Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and I just I I loved it. I love her herself. She's not a thriller writer, but there is some suspense in her books a little bit. Um, but I just I love the way she captures like this California mood. And um right now I'm actually reading it's a book, I think it's called Elizabeth and Monty, and it's a biography of sorts about the friendship between Liz Taylor and Montgomery Clift. And so that's I'm getting my my old Hollywood fix in. And the book I'm gonna start next is probably and this has been so difficult because this summer has been insane with the good books. And I've I've had the good fortune that a lot of them were sent to me early, and so I could read them. And so, like, you know, The Other Black Girl is fantastic, Bathhouse by PJ Vernon is fantastic. But then there's like these ones coming up that I cannot wait. And so the ones I'm most excited about are um Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. And falling by T.J. Newman, which is probably going to be my next read, and then the new books by Chandler Baker and Megan Miranda, who both of them I just love.
0: I have read the Chandler Baker one, and it is really, really good.
2: It's it's funny. Like just this past weekend, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, would you like these books?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, now that I've pre-ordered them, it's a little too late." Three months ago, I would have said yes, but it's 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 weird. Like I I'm sure. That I could probably get any book that I ask for at this point. And I'm always reluctant to do so because I like having to wait like everyone else and buy them like everyone else and just, you know, support them.
0: But I'm sure you get a lot sent to you for blurbs too.
2: I do. And a lot of times I just can't take them. Right. Because I, I get a lot of blurb requests and I feel terrible every time I have to say no. Which is most of the time because I'm just too busy with one thing or another. It's great that people are sending me books, but it's it sucks that I, I just a lot of times don't have the time to even get to them.
0: Well, and maybe that's just an easier way, because then if you mainly aren't doing it, you're not really hurting anybody's feelings when you say no to one person.
2: Yeah, like there there are just time periods where like my editor and my agent know just to say no to pretty much everything because I they just know that like he needs to finish his next book now.
0: Yes, that's the highest priority for them. So they're like, yes, please. No more books for him to read. I need his next book now. Well, Riley, thank you so much for joining me today in the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you.
2: Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure.
1: History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On conflicted,
0: Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please consider joining my Patreon as a page turner. Follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed today can be purchased at the Conversations From a Page bookshop storefront and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to Maggie Garza for sponsoring this episode and I hope you'll tune in next time.